0: If you want to check it out, which I highly recommend you do, check out the Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door.
1: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health.
2: Shop now at Hero.co. Hello and welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. I'm Roland Stiles, and today we have a draft special for you and the two foes that will be duking it out on the podcast with their draft takes, giving you all the coverage you need ahead of the draft later on this month. Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp, or actually Grant Tuttle, and Thomas, Arrowhead Tom. Why don't you introduce yourself, Thomas, as you're new around here. This is your first appearance on the Arrowhead Addict podcast for six episodes. It's been just me and Grant. But here you come to try to defeat Grant in a NFL draft debate. Yeah,
3: so uh, like you said, my name is Thomas Welty. I'm a contributor over at Arrowhead Addict. Uh, I, don't, I don't necessarily think I want to defeat Grant. I'd like to teach him a couple of things. There seems to be a couple of things that he's uh, misinformed about that I think we should probably correct him on. That way he doesn't go uh, and keep tweeting these really bad takes. And uh, wow. I'm worried about him. I don't want him wow. to keep getting embarrassed out there. That's, that's pretty rude. <laughs>
2: All right, we're already going to have to separate you two. And Grant, like I ask every episode, how are you doing today? I'm
4: doing well. Uh, you know, I, I was doing even better until uh, Thomas just flat insulted me. Uh, but here we are. Uh, I'm, I'm set to uh, teach him that actually, like, Charles Amenahue is not, like, God or anything. That's, like, my main focus of today, um, to, to be the best draft analyst that I can be. Um, Thomas is just a little bit misled, and uh, we're going to correct that. So that's that's today.
2: And my job today is to be Curie champion and just make sure these two don't literally kill themselves and provide you a very solid podcast. I'll get my takes off because I can't help myself, but the draft is really these two specialties. That's why we brought in Arrowhead Tom on Twitter. That's at Arrowhead Tom. And at Grant Tuttle on Twitter, which is Grant. Here we go again. Your at is... Grant T M N Tuttle. You got it that time. Correct. Let's go. And you can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles that's at R Y L A N underscore S T I L E S. Real quick, housekeeping at the top. We're going to get the show on Spotify. We're working on that process right now. For now, you can find us on all of your other podcatchers as well as iTunes, Apple Podcasts, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Whenever you do find us, you can always subscribe and please leave a review. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, and what we can fix about the show. But for today... We're going to talk about who the Chiefs have already brought in for workouts before the, the uh, NFL draft. We're going to talk about what our ideal scenarios for the Chiefs would be, and then we'll go into more of a bigger picture of the NFL draft, which, which prospects we like and don't like, no matter if they fit for the, for the Chiefs or not, just in general, who we like and don't like. But first, let's talk about concrete news and who the Chiefs have worked out, starting with Joe Jawan Williams, cornerback out of Vanderbilt. Guys, what do we think about this move to bring him in his workout? Obviously workouts don 't matter, but what do you think about this prospect?
3: You go ahead first, Thomas yeah, so uh, <clears throat> excuse me uh, so joan williams uh, he 's a big corner 6'3", he's from Vanderbilt uh, he really wasn 't talked about too much during the season, and then, as the draft process started to kick off, and uh, really once he you know started to start, started talking about the height weight speed measurable guys, uh, he got some attention but He's a, he's a lot more than just a big player who can run fast. Uh, he's got some skills. He's very competitive. Uh, I like him. I'm not probably not the highest person on, in the world on him, but I think I could see him as a fit uh, in his own scheme. So I, I like it, especially with him being 6'3". And, and I think uh, as it stands, the Chiefs only have one or two cornerbacks on the roster who break six foot. So uh, and th- I think they're even pretty close. Uh, so. I think it would be a, a welcome addition in terms of the size in the on the back end. So I think it's a good at least a good thing to kick the tires on him.
4: Yeah, uh I, I totally agree with that. I would say that he's uh he's he's a lot more raw than I would I would like to draft in the first round. Uh that's where a lot of people have him mocked right now and I don't really like that. I would rather have the Chiefs trade up in the second to take him. Um but that I think that that he is a very physical corner. He's got some nice, he's got some ball skills. It's just, um, it's just, I'm not seeing the total fit in the first round per se, but I do Mm -hmm. appreciate them kicking the tires on him.
2: And the second prospect on our list is Alex Barnes, a running back from Kansas State, a local kid. Obviously, the Chiefs just extended Dan Williams, and he played great down the stretch. But what do you guys think about Alex Barnes and, you know, what his fit might be for the Chiefs? Let's start with Grant this time and then shift over to Tom.
4: All right. uh, So Alex Barnes is what I would call a jag. So just a guy. I mean, he's, he's fine. He's a he's a guy that, that has some power. He's got so he's got a surprising quickness, um, but I overall I think he's a guy that the Chiefs are t- bringing in for a late round kind of option slash undrafted free agent if he makes it that far. Um, but I, I could see him being a very good special teams uh, contributor and a um, a good depth piece um, overall for Kansas uh, for for the Chiefs. Um, out of Kansas State, I mean, that'd be a nice little story, but that's about my, the extent of what I think of Alex Barnes.
3: Yeah, I mean, I would I pretty much agree with that. I think that we've seen in the past the Chiefs like to use some of these visits to kind of warm people up in terms of their priority free agents. So after the draft, they bring people in, and um, I think that that might be the case here with Barnes. Uh, there's a lot to like about him. I mean, not just the fact that he's kind of a local guy, but – um, I mean, six foot, six foot tall, two hundred and twenty six pounds, which is pretty big for a running back. Uh, he put up thirty four bench reps uh, at the combine, and he ran a 4.5940, uh, which is uh, not great, but yeah. for his size, that's 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 acceptable. So I think his role would definitely be a uh, a developmental kind of guy. A uh, could contribute on special teams might be somebody they bring in to compete with Darrell Williams for that that third spot in terms of running back, but. I don't think that he'd probably, I think Daryl Williams would probably beat that out. But it'd be good competition, and I think the Chiefs are all about that, especially when you have a group uh, with the Chiefs, you know, the running back. It's its changed a lot in the last 12 months. So yeah. I think it's good that they're kicking the tires on all those options.
2: Yeah, I think, Grant, what you said was, was great, and uh, – i agree i think it's just be a it'd be a nice story in training camp you know just a local kid coming in and, and playing some running back and and really his goal like he said would be to make this on the special teams and make an impact there uh let's shift over now to jalen ferguson who they brought in for a workout we're going to talk more about him later on in the show the defensive end out of louisiana tech and then joe giles harris linebacker of duke now, this is a guy who I think is pretty interesting, but I'd like to know you guys' thought, because as we said at the top of the show, you guys are the draft expert. Tom, what do you have on uh, Joe uh, Joe Giles-Harris? Yeah, so the
3: big thing with Joe Giles-Harris is uh, he's got a pretty long injury history. Um, he's got some ACL issues, and, and that really, uh, I guess, kind of muted his draft stock. Nobody was really talking about him, but when you go back and, and you watch the tape, and he's actually a good player, he's got... Good range and, and has a he, – he's good at, like, breaking down and tackling, but sometimes he's over-aggressive. We kind of see that sometimes with Anthony Hitchens, uh, where he goes to make the tackle and just kind of runs past the guy. Uh, so I'm not I'm not super high on him. I probably have a higher grade on him if he didn't have the injury history that he had and he had more tape available. Uh, right now I, I, I've got him probably, like, a fourth or fifth-round guy that you kind of take a, a waiver on if there's nobody else there that – um, there is some upside there, but really I don't think he's somebody that you would want to draft early on and, and try to rely on him to be any kind of starter or anything like that. I think he's going to be a guy who earns his way on special teams, but if you need him to start in a pinch, he could probably do it for you. And there is some upside there. Like I said, we don't. there's a lot of unknown because of his injury history. Uh, he does have good range and good movement skills, but uh, not somebody that you are taking in the first two or three rounds. So,
4: Yeah, uh, I actually agree with that uh, to an extent. I would say that I think that his range is somewhat limited. Uh, he actually reminds me, after watching the tape, he is, like, a the perfect mix, mixture between what the Chiefs already have between Anthony Hitchens and Reggie, Reggie Ragland. Uh, like, they, if you combine the two, it would almost make this this player. Uh, so, I don't know. I, I, I could see – I could understand a team using a third-round pick on him. But, yeah, that injury history is, is – uh, was a little bit scary um and i don't I, I think he's got a high upside but what you're getting right off hand in the first year of production is not something that would be great he would at the very at the very most or at the very yeah i would say at the very most for next year if the chiefs were to draft him and say the third or fourth round he would provide good linebacker depth um mm-hmm. he's not a guy that's going to blow the doors off and come in and start right away um that being said, like I'm hoping that the Chiefs don't keep uh, don't keep Reggie Ragland in the starting lineup and give Dorian O'Daniel that shot at the um, the weak side position because he's uh, he's got a ton of upside and we saw that last season. Uh, so as far as drafting linebackers in this draft, I mean I could take it or leave it. So um, yeah, that's really got what I got on on Harris.
2: Sticking with the linebacker group, let's go over to oh Lord, Sion Taka Itakaya, linebacker at a BYU. You can correct the way I just butchered his name, but uh, Tom, what do you have on Sion Taka Sion? Yeah, so as
3: difficult as his name is, probably one that you want to uh, try to try to Google that, see what you get on the you know corrected feedback, uh, see what comes up, see if you can find some tape on him. Uh, he's actually a really fun player to watch. Uh, he'd probably be probably a best fit at like a will. Um, I really think that he's again, one of those guys that you're going to bring in in the later rounds, maybe a a priority free agent to bring in, to be a camp body, to, to compete. Uh, there is some upside there, but there's, there's concerns about, you know, just his overall production in college. Uh, it's, I, some some plays he looks like he's a, he's got really good skills and really good movement skills and all that stuff, and then other plays uh, he just he's very inconsistent, and he's he's fun to watch when he's when he's doing well, but when he's when he's off, he's he looks like one of the worst players on the field. So it's it's interesting to watch him if you can you know figure out how to spell his name and type it into YouTube. Uh, <laughs> it's it's fun, but it's it's kind of it's maddening to watch him you know with the inconsistencies.
4: Yeah, uh, like like you alluded to. I think he shows that capability where he can be explosive. He has some athletic traits that are wonderful to have in a linebacker, uh, but that downside, that floor is so low that mm-hmm. the only way I would even consider it is seventh round to an undrafted guy. I mean, he's just, to me, he's almost, that That downside is so high for a guy of, uh, from BYU. So Andy Reid probably is interested in him just because he's from BYU uh, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see can, what happens with that. So he could be the new Dan Sorensen. Yeah, yeah. anything to replace Dan, but whatever. Of course.
2: I don't want the Chiefs to draft him because I do not want to have to learn how to say his name for the entirety <laughs> of this podcast. <laughs> uh, the last linebacker on the list, because this is a position group that, Grant, you said, that you could take it or leave it if they draft uh, a linebacker, is another local standout. Beloved by Kansas fans Jodanine Jr., linebacker out of Kansas I love this kid And I think it's more based in uh, not just on the field, but more of the off the field um, You know, sort of bias I have towards him You know, I think he's a good player I, I don't think he, he'll make a, a true impact in the NFL I think, much like we talked about with Alex Barnes It will kind of just be a, a fun story for guys You know, to write about in the newspapers And the athletic, you know, Brooke can have a great story Or, or someone in the athletic can have a great story About his, his journey, and then ultimately He'll be one of the tough cuts in, in training camp But I'm interested to see what you guys think about Joe Dineen. let's start with Grant this uh, time
4: yeah there's not really a lot for me to say I haven't really looked at his tape that much um, from what I've heard he's got a, a decently high ceiling but from what everybody that I've read on projecting his ability he would be a career backup linebacker uh, but yeah I really haven't watched the tape so I can't make a
3: total determination on him yeah I've got a uh, pretty pretty elaborate uh I guess you call it opinion or uh report on him and just to sum it up uh pass I mean you talk about just a guy uh I'm sure he's a great kid but there's nothing there to be excited about uh undersized player uh well 235 you're looking at an outside linebacker spot but he's really not the athlete that you need out there especially in today's NFL um, I'm not even sure he he is athletic enough to offer much in terms of uh, special teams value. I just think there's a lot of bodies uh, in that in that pool of of kind of middle range guys. I, I don't think that it's going to be something that works. Again, great to bring him out, give the local local guy a shot, and you know get to know. Him. Maybe he does come in for for a camp. Uh, you know, you never know who's going to go down with injuries, but I don't think there's much much possibility there for for a a realistic spot for him
2: yeah i think you guys both kind of hit it on the head let's stick with the local kids and let's go to somebody who's really caught my attention over the last week uh doing a little bit of prep for this show Uh, ultimately though relying on you two uh to carry the draft you know coverage Uh, but emmanuel hall wide receiver from missouri i really think that he could you know excel with the Chiefs but on the flip side of that coin I think pretty much anyone could excel with Andy Reid and Mahomes uh having the the reins of the offense but you know he's, he's the kind of guy that can can get you excited a little bit uh, but I'm interested uh Tom to see what you have on him and uh, and what your grade is for him and everything like well, that you're, you're
3: probably not going to be very interested once I start talking about Hall uh <laughs> I you know I, I heard his name early on and, and there's a lot of excitement especially from uh, Mizzou fans and, and people who follow the team uh, so I sat down and watched him the, the reality is his routes are I mean college receivers already have a pretty limited uh, you know, route running acumen anyways uh, Emmanuel Hall is very well below what you would find in an average receiver uh, in terms of route running at the college level uh, he wasn't asked to do much, really good athlete uh, pretty good size but his, his route running, his route tree, uh, he's going to be a guy that, again, maybe you take in the, the sixth or seventh round. And, and I will say this, you you think about where Tyreek Hill was at when he came out as a prospect and, and the development he's had as a route runner, that does show some promise in terms of the Chiefs offensive staff to develop that in young guys. But that said, Tyreek Hill is also you know on an athletic level that there are few people on the face of the planet who are at. so. I don't think Emmanuel Hall is that guy. He is, he is an athlete, but uh, other than maybe being a, a special teams guy and a, you know your right receiver six, I don't know if there's much to get excited about in terms of any kind of starting production from him. Of course, you know, it's Patrick Mahomes, so if he's on the team, he'll probably catch three or four touchdowns just because it's Patrick Mahomes. He'll throw to anybody and, and everybody in red and gold. So, um, But I don't think that if you're looking for a starter, I don't think this is it
4: yeah uh i i I hate to say that i agree with you so much but uh (laughs) emmanuel hall is is a guy that you know he's he's got some great athleticism he 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 can make some contested catches i am just i am not confident in his ability to uh get open for one yeah like like you said his route running is is poor i would even say like The only thing that I would trust him doing at this point is just running fly routes, which would be fine. Mm -hmm. Like in a Patrick Mahomes system where you just push the ball down the field, that would be fine because he's athletic. He can catch the ball in contested situations. But Mm -hmm. that's not what you're going for in an NFL uh, receiver. And so I think he's going to get taken way too early because athletic receivers get taken way too early. I could even see him sneaking into the second or third round and so um somebody's gonna take him too early. Hopefully that's not the Chiefs. That's all I gotta say.
2: Yeah, and real quick before we move on, I, I just wanna ask you to, you know, you guys, you know, do the draft stuff and, and do the film and all that. How often do you see a guy like this and say, Okay, his route tree is limited, his his ability to run clean routes is limited? and then they develop that in the nfl is that something that happens a lot or not very much or even not at all is that just something that you just either have or you don't and there's not really any developing to that what's kind of the feel for growing your route tree we can start with grant and then move on to tom Yeah. so
4: one thing to take into consideration is how athletic they are um people that are the, the receivers that are that are really athletic uh, tend to be able to develop their route running tree a lot easier than those that are slower. And, I mean, that should be obvious. Um, but, like, I would say that the developing somebody to be a great receiver in the NFL uh, from not being a good route runner in college is pretty slim. I mean, there, there are examples like, like Tyreek Hill where he, he was a fifth-round guy kind of a hybrid between uh, wide receiver, running back, kick returner, punt returner guy, kind of the mm-hmm. uh, the guy that people want. were going to say he's the next Tavon Austin. Uh, and they're not saying that anymore. Uh, but like, I just don't... It's, it's hard to say uh, without some kind of data to back it up, but I would say it's probably pretty slim uh, how many people develop um, into great receivers without good route running ability. Um, but he has a higher chance of doing so because he's athletic, if that makes any sense.
3: Mm-hmm. I had a football coach I used to work with who used to say, just because you could run fast doesn't mean you can run well. And I think that that applies to a lot of these draft prospects. Uh, in terms of the ability to develop route running, uh, I think a great example of that is if you go way back and you pull out some of the, uh, you know, the draft scouting reports of, of Antonio Brown, And a guy who, you know, as a prospect, I mean, I think he was a fifth or sixth round draft pick. And and that's where he was ranked in terms of of his prospect. Uh, And and one of the biggest knocks on him was his route running. And now, you know, we consider him one of the best route runners in the league, uh, despite the fact that he's now an Oakland Raider. That's the the reality of it. But if you listen to the stories on that, like, he worked, you know, night and day, uh, just tirelessly to improve that. They say, you know, I've heard it said Antonio Brown's one of the, the hardest workers in the league so in terms of being able to develop that I think it is possible um, there is some natural coordination that goes into the ability to to run run routes well and and your ability to, to open your hips at the right time and, and to, to kind of mirror your body and there's a lot of nuance to it uh, you know it, it's you want to when you're running a route and you want your hips to say one thing and your your body to say another to kind of deceive the corners and, uh being able to take quick, quick short steps and then burst out into a, a longer stride. It's a lot of nuanced stuff that uh, we probably bore you with, but, and I'm not to claim that I fully understand it, but I, I, I'm with Grant. Uh, I think that you can develop it, but it's something that it's not natural, uh, not a natural way to move for people. And so if you're not working at that already at a college level and working at that and, and showing progress and growing in that uh it's it's very unlikely that you're going to make that jump once you get to the nfl so it's possible but not likely
2: and now shifting over back to cornerbacks we start with the cornerback let's have our last two that they've brought in for workouts lonnie johnson a cornerback out of kentucky tom what do you have on lonnie Um, johnson
3: honestly I, i really like lonnie johnson there's a part of me that wouldn't be surprised if he was called at, at, a, at pick 29 for the Chiefs I know not everybody would be excited about that um, obviously the the connection is there with, with Matt house and uh, that defensive system uh, Lonnie Johnson the first thing you, you see about him when you kind of look him up is he's a you know he's a really good athlete and he's really big but beyond that uh, you look at him you look at his tape uh, he's ultra competitive he, he brings a lot of energy on the field I love to see that in players uh, I, I, I call him you know an energy giver kind of a you talk about the impact of a guy like uh, Terrence Matthew on a defense and that leadership and that energy. Uh, Lonnie Johnson's not on that level, but he's there. He gets pumped up. He, he's a team player. I think that he's a high-character guy, so I think that that's probably something the Chiefs are going to really value in this draft. Uh, he's a first-second-round first, uh, first second round talent for me. Uh, not as much production as you would want in terms of college, but the it, there's enough there. There's enough experience, and there is enough production there to say, hey, we could take a flyer on him in the first and feel okay about developing him and getting him to be a long-term starter. Uh, I have heard that there are some people in the NFL who are really high on, on Lonnie Johnson. Some people who have him as you know the the top cornerback on their board who consider him you know a future star. Uh, I'm not ready to crown him that yet, but I do like him. I like his upside, so I think it's a good, uh, a potentially good fit for Kansas City.
4: Yeah, I I'm one of those people that thinks that energy giving is great and I I totally agree I see that on tape he's he flies around the field uh he's very very athletic and so there's things to like but I like with a first round pick I want to ensure a quality starter at least four years and I think that his floor is low enough uh that I would only be comfortable taking him in day two or beyond uh I, I I would not be opposed to seeing the Chiefs trade up in the second round to take a guy like Lonnie Johnson or Jawan Williams. Those are the kind of guys I would like to see in the second round. Not so much the first. I think the first is where you you want to try to get, you know, a guy that you're, you're sure can step in right away and contribute and then be a great player down the road. I'm just not sold that Lonnie Johnson is that guy. Not to say that he can't be. I think he has a very, very high ceiling. He's a guy that I'm sure Spagnolo would be thrilled to have On the defense, um, because it's the kind of player that he likes—a big corner, uh, athletic guy. But uh, yeah, second, he's a second-round guy for me.
2: And now let's shift over to another cornerback, Amani Oranwani. How do you say that, uh, Grant? That that had him Aruware. Well, go ahead, Grant. What do you think about the cornerback out of Uh, Penn State?
4: I think the fourth corner on my board, um, or third, I can't remember. I can't remember if I have him or Rock Yasin. <laughs> um, I like his physicality. That's the main thing, uh, with him is that I think that he can, he can come onto the field, uh, year one and be a solid contributor. I think he could, he could even challenge, um, he could challenge for that number two spot, um, among the corners. I think that he is also a guy that could grow a lot. Uh, that's why I kind of like him is because he's got a pretty decently high floor and he's got a, a very high ceiling. Uh, I honestly think the NFL is going to be higher on him than a lot of what the media is saying. Um, I, I would not I would be surprised if the Chiefs could stand Pat at 29 and he was there. Uh, I think that he'll probably go to a team like the Eagles, a team that really wants to develop corners. Um, I, I yeah, I really like Aruare uh for a lot of reasons, um, but most most of all his physicality.
3: Yeah, so this draft class, especially this corner class, is kind of interesting because there's a lot of bigger cornerbacks in it. Uh, yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean that all of them play well. So uh, there's a lot of guys that I think the NFL could fall in love with in terms of the you know the height, weight, speed. We talk about that and. Um, I'm not going to, Amani. Uh, I've heard his name pronounced about 86 different ways, so I'm just going to call him Amani from Penn State uh, One of the things that I think is interesting is, is, you know, the big question that he had just on tape was his long speed, I and mean, then he comes to the combine he runs a 4.47 So I think you see that there is a little more athleticism in there than I think uh, I initially had on him uh, I, I had such a love-hate relationship with him, he was one of the first players I drafted, or not drafted, I watched um, I'm kind of, I'm uh, again, Grant and I are agreeing on everything. So, uh, <laughs> but I, uh, he's, he's kind of in that he's right on the fringe of that. Um, you know, the top tier, he's at the bottom of the top tier for me. Uh, I think he, he's a, a really safe player. I think he's probably a plug and place starter. I don't think that he's going to be a guy who, you know, is going to end up in a gold jacket one day, but I think that he's, he's a very, he, he has a very high floor, uh, I think he can start in the NFL. I do think that he uses his size really well. That's one of the things that stood out to me uh, watching his tape is that he's uh, very, very competitive at the point. Of, at the catch point, he uses that length to get inside the receiver's frame to knock balls away. Uh, I really like seeing that from him. Uh, he does have some some work to do in terms of developing his man coverage and his zone coverage skills. There's some things that need to be fine-tuned. Uh, most that he kind of has even though he's athletic his his foot speed is kind of slow so it's kind of mm-hmm. a weird weird thing again just because you can run doesn't mean you can run well uh, so i I wouldn't be I wouldn't hate the pick if he was there at 29 I uh, wouldn't be I don't think he's the guy you want to trade up for uh, I could see him end up ending up being one of those guys that we all you know he, his name is called early in the draft and one kind of goes whoa didn't expect that I think NFL teams like him probably more than than what we do but um, I think he's a solid player. I think he's, he's a safe bet. Um, you know, nothing's a sure thing, but I think he's, he's a guy you can bring in and, and be pretty comfortable if you had to start him day one. So uh, good player. I think he's worth, again, checking out. So uh, I have no problems with him overall. I think he could, he could develop well in the system, and that's uh, definitely a position of need for Kansas City.
2: And quickly, we have one more defensive player, and then two, and then uh, two offensive players. The last defensive player that they've brought in is Jeffrey Simmons, the defensive tackle out of Mississippi State, earned a workout with the Chiefs. Tom, what's your grade
3: on him and, and uh, your opinions on um, him? This is a tough one, and because uh, the reality is, is like Simmons is a is probably a top ten talent in this draft. Uh, of course, he tore his ACL early in the process, and so he's probably. Uh, Going to miss a good chunk of his rookie season, if not all of it. The other big issue with Jeffrey Simmons stems back to a fight that he had in high school, uh, where he assaulted a female. Um, you know, there people. Some people want to defend that and you know justify it. That the, the, there's some additional context that there was you know a family member of his who was being assaulted, and then he got involved. And um, I, I think that context, uh, that whole issue, and given what Kansas City has gone through in the last year. I don't think Jeffrey Simmons is an option for Kansas City. I don't think the Chiefs front office is going to roll the dice on him uh, unless he's sitting there in in the the fifth, you know, if he sees a Falcon like Maurice Hurst did last year. Uh, I don't think that they can do that, make him the the face of this draft class in the first round or even the second round. It's just not something that they're going to want to do from a PR standpoint. Despite his talent uh, and despite the, you know, there are several people from, uh, Mississippi State, who have gone to bat for, for Jeffrey Simmons and said he's been an outstanding you know locker room guy, outstanding young man, and I hope that that's true and I hope that continues, but I think the history there combined with the current makeup of Kansas City from Kareem Hunt and Tyreek, now this Tyreek Hill stuff, I don't think that it's a move that they're going to do, uh, and it, it, I think it would be a little bit of a, a disingenuous move for the Chiefs to say that they care about these, these issues and then to draft Simmons given his known back, his known history, again that doesn't mean that he's going to do it again, but I think that, that uh, I just think that the character context doesn't make him an option for Kansas City, but again, maybe that I could be wrong. they're bringing him in for a workout. that might be something that they're willing to, to, to brave that storm. so:
4: Yeah, I, I think that that's absolutely right. I think the chiefs would be hesitant to draft another guy like that. However, if it's me, I would almost cry if if I was the GM and he was sitting there at twenty nine and I had to make a decision on him uh, because, good lord, his talent level, I uh, in the initial grading process, I kind of I took him, I, I stopped scouting after he, he went down with the ACL because I just figured oh, you know well, he's he's going to be a second round, second round late first round guy now, uh, but he had incredible upside to the point where I would say like he would, he had, he was a fringe top five guy in this draft. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, oh, gosh, it would be, it would be terribly, it would be terribly, uh, it would be a bad look for the chiefs if they were to draft a guy like that. And he, uh, repeated his, uh, his earlier offenses. Uh, so, I mean, but he's so good. Like, I, I would love and hate it if the Chiefs drafted him there. Um, I I really don't have a lot to say other than, like, that guy's majorly talented and could mm-hmm. potentially be a star for years to come. But I'm not convinced the Chiefs should take a chance on a guy like that.
3: Yeah, as far as the player goes, I mean, you talk about, you know, the, there's the expression of man among boys, and that's what Jeffrey Simmons looked like. Um, you know, I had him. Uh, Talent-wise, I still have him ahead of Ed Oliver on my board, the only guy ahead of him uh, in terms of the defensive tackle class is uh, Quinnen Williams and and Jeffrey Simmons, honestly. uh, You know, if you couldn't get Quinnen Williams, then Jeffrey Simmons is uh, he's a good consolation prize. He'd be be the the first defensive tackle on your board in in most draft classes. So, uh, again, his history is unfortunate. It sounds like he's moved on from that, and, and I applaud him for that, but i Yeah, I don't think that it's going to be an option for Kansas City, especially not in the first round. So if he's there later in the draft, draft, we get him in the second, third round, that'd be awesome. But uh, even then, there's probably going to be some hesitation.
2: Yeah, I think that the Chiefs wouldn't necessarily worry about the off the field stuff. They've proven, and especially Andy Reid has proven that he doesn't really care. He can, he can try to weather the storm and, and hopefully that he can mentor these guys and get them back on the right path. He's proven that with Michael Vick, Kareem Hunt, uh, Tyreek Hale, et cetera, et cetera. I think that if he's the best player available that, and uh, Andy Reid likes him and Spags likes him, that they're going to take him and that this meeting right here, this workout, was to cover that. If he does follow the Chiefs, they can say, "Hey, we met with this kid. We believe in this kid. We, we believe everything everyone has told us about this kid. That it was a mistake. That he regrets it. That this, that, and the third to try to cover themselves and get a very talented football player." Uh, I wouldn't agree with that decision. I think that you guys are right in the sense of it is it is disingenuous and it is, you know, uh, not a not a good look at all to draft a guy like this. But I think that the Chiefs don't particularly care about that because they've kind of proven it to you throughout this entire process. I mean, we knew everything about uh Terry Hill when, whenever he was drafted. We knew everything about Cream Hunt for a year until he got cut. And so I just think that that's not going to be a, a, a thought in their mind. I think that they're going to be able to use this again as, as a way to say, hey, we've met with this guy. We know his heart. He's told us this. He's told us that. And we're ready to move on with him. And then people be mad for about six weeks, maybe three months before the season starts, and then they'll change his name in Arrowhead if he gets a sack. So let's move on to the offensive side of the ball with another running back that they brought in, Dexter Williams out of Notre Dame. Running back again, we mentioned it with Alex Barnes. They have Dan Williams, but you can really never have too many running backs, and they're also not very valuable, though. So what do you think about Dexter Williams, and, and how do you think he fits with the Chiefs and all that, uh, Tom? Um,
3: so okay. at Dexter Williams is a guy who um, – I think I'm higher on him, actually, than, than maybe what other people would be. I, I like his size. I like his his running style. He's a pretty tough runner. Um, kind of surprised some people with his athletic testing, probably did a little bit better than, I think, what most people expected. But at the same time, again, we're talking about a position that isn't a dire need for Kansas City right now. I think they're pretty confident with, uh, their guys uh, Williams and Hyde at the top of the depth chart, and then I really do think that they like Daryl, so or Daryl Williams as that third guy. So it'd be it'd be a, a competition move, and um, probably not a guy that they're going to take early in the draft. So uh, if it's a camp body or, or a guy we take in the fifth or sixth or you know later than that, that's fine with me. There's there is some upside there, um, you know. Again, but it's it with running backs, it's 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 a roll of the dice, and I think Andy has shown that. Um, you know this offense is about Patrick Mahomes, and so it kind of, as long as the guy standing next to him can pass block and catch some of those passes, they'll make it work. So, um, Dexter Williams, I mean, I have nothing bad to say about him, really. I, you know, he's a prospect, he's a guy who needs, who needs to develop, will benefit from a NFL weight room, but um, nothing really special. Again, probably uh, to steal the the term uh, Grant used, you know, just a guy and just to get the running back position. I think he'd be, um, be a good fit, but nothing to be really excited about, uh, even though I do like him as a player. So,
4: Yeah, I, I think we should take him in the first round uh, because then we could just have all the Williams in the world at, at running back. Uh, just kidding. Don't do that. That would be the worst thing ever. Never draft a first-round running back. That's the dumbest thing ever. Uh, I would rather them not draft him. Uh, I'm on team. Don't draft running backs unless they're in the top five of the class. Um, So I just, I don't know if he's a seventh round guy. Fine. He's a guy that could contribute special teams as well. I just, uh, he's, I actually like um, uh, the kid out of K state more. Um, What's his name?
2: Alex Alex Barnes. Barnes. Yeah. I,
4: I'm, I'm not very high on uh, Dexter Williams. So that's really all I got to say.
2: And then lastly oh, and then lastly we have Jace Sternberger, the tight end from Texas A m tight end's a position that you and I have talked about a lot, Grant, and so what do you think about Jace and uh, his talents? He's
4: not the guy I would draft in the second round. I mean I can see why you like him. He's a guy that he, he's got good route running ability. he's like a, he's a glorified wide receiver. Uh, that's why I kind of don't like him, but I love him. It's kind of a weird relationship I have with him. Uh, because he he would be a great fit in the offense as far as a receiver, um, but you already have Travis Kelsey for that. So I would prefer that they got somebody that complemented um, Travis Kelsey, uh, a guy that could block better, a guy that could be an all-purpose guy. Um, if TJ Hawkinson, Hawkinson is sitting there at twenty-nine, then I would say yes, pull the trigger, team score one hundred. But I don't think he's going to be there. Jay Sternberger. I mean, if they took him in the second or third, that would be fine. I wouldn't be totally upset. Um, but he's a he's a receiver first, blocker second or third even. Like he's, uh, he's not even – he's just a guy that I, I think fits well in the slot as a slot tight end kind of guy. Um, but, yeah, as far as an overall fit with Kansas City, I don't love it.
3: Yeah, I think with Sternberger it's – it depends on what you're trying to do when you draft him. Um, I've got a mid-fourth-round grade on him. Uh, I'm definitely not on, as high on him as other people are. I think he gets uh, jostled around a little too much off the line of scrimmage. and um, he, he does you know, run routes well. He is a, a guy who's going to be a pass catcher first. But I think with that, um, you know, really the spot that he would play best in is Travis Kelsey's spot. So, if you're drafting a guy that you want to kind of sit and be a complementary role for a few years to replace Travis, uh, I think Jace is a good investment uh, as a developmental guy, but I don't think that he's necessarily a good fit as your second tight end, which may sound kind of, um, you know, again, a good player is a good player, but what we've seen with, you know, what they like, I mean, well, Demetrius Harris played as that number two guy for a long time, so... Um, you know, more of an, uh, he's more of an athlete, more of a raw guy who, um, just is a weapon. And so I think Jace is more going to be a steady hand than anything else. Not a bad player, but I, I, again, with a fourth round grade on him, um, there's other guys that I like who have, I think more upside as athletes. Um, I do really like, you know, what Sternberger does with the ball in his hands in space. He, he's, uh, I think he's underrated in that aspect. But I don't know. I'm not sure where it would be, Uh, what the line of thinking there would be in terms of where you draft him. uh, Definitely not. I wouldn't touch him. I'd I'd wait till day three, um, just kind of see what's left of the tight end class. I think there's some other guys who offer similar value for what Kansas City needs as a tight end two right now. I don't think that they need to be focusing on replacing Travis Kelsey um, I think they can wait a little bit on that. I think they have other needs. So I wouldn't spend a lot of, you know, a high draft pick on him. Good player, but not somebody that Kansas City has a glaring need for.
2: Yeah, and those were all the players that the Chiefs have brought in for workouts so far ahead of the, the uh, NFL draft. And now let's shift over. Them. There's
4: like 60,000 guys that they brought in, but those are the main names. So just <laughs> – they're allowed
3: thirty.
4: Yeah, it seems like a thousand.
2: So now let's shift over to what positions do you think that the Chiefs should address this draft for it to be considered a very good one for you guys? You know what positions do the Chiefs desperately need in the draft coming up? And let's start with All right, Grant. So I
4: kind of have it in tiers. Uh, like I have a for the first tier of need, I would say edge, cornerback, safety. Uh, cause obviously defense is, is a, is an issue in Kansas city, even after the firing of Bob Sutton, I'm not confident in what they have there. Um, I mean, I think that they're slightly better just by cutting ties with Bob Sutton, but in the second tier, uh, I would say defensive tackle wide receiver tight end. Um, if they got those guys in the second round or at the end of the first, I wouldn't be opposed. And then in that third tier, I have it, I have linebacker and offensive lineman. Um, so i the greatest position of need is a tie for me between edge and safety because i'm not confident in dan sorensen's ability to be a i either safety uh i know some people like him uh uh i i don't know i would i would almost prefer the chief's trade up and get an edge but if they're gonna stay put, there are some good safeties at twenty nine
3: yeah so i'm this is, I go back and forth on this. Um, I've been pretty adamant for a long time um, that the biggest need the Chiefs have right now is to get a, a pass rusher to play alongside Chris Jones, pair him with somebody who, you know, for the next you know, five to ten years is just going to make it a nightmare for quarterbacks in the AFC West. That's probably more of a personal philosophy. Um, I, I, love, I love defense specifically. I, I love hitting quarterbacks, and, uh, you know, there's, Really the only quarterback on the face of the planet that I like is is Patrick Mahomes. Everybody else, you know, I enjoy it when they're (laughs) they're getting sacked. So, uh, you know, personal philosophy aside, the reality is the Chiefs need just about, they need players at every spot on this defense, just about, uh, you know, I've said that for a while. (laughs) I said it a couple months ago, and it's kind of come true. You know, I I said if if they blew up the whole defense and the only player that they kept was, was Chris Jones, I wouldn't mind because our defense was bad last year. Um, it, was, it was really bad. I think people, you know, we've, we've, moved, we've had a little bit of time between now and the season, but, um, you know, when you talk about how good our offense was uh, historically, our defense was literally a, almost a mirror in terms of how bad it was historically. So um, edge is probably going to be my, my biggest priority uh, for the Chiefs. I think that's what they need to do early. Uh, But I I would say that uh, Edge and corner are tied for me In terms of what is most needed With safety coming in third I I, I give edge the priority Because you can find uh, Different There's more depth in the cornerback And safety class this year Than there's an edge rushers. There's not any guys who Are day two or day three prospects That I really get excited about In terms of being an edge rusher Um, You know I mean Sure, there's probably a guy on day three like Jerry Tillery you could take who would help the defense, but, Stop. you know, overall, <laughs> uh, that's Grant's guy, but uh, overall I think Edge is probably going to be, uh, if there's a guy like, you know, Clinton Farrell or, you know, Brian Burns or whatever who's there mid to late first round, I wouldn't be surprised to the Chiefs move up for him just because there's not, after the first five or six guys uh, on, on this in this draft there's not much to get excited about at the edge position so the Chiefs need to find their guy and go get him
2: yeah I think the Chiefs desperately need a cornerback to you know just be another playmaker and just help that secondary out now I wouldn't mind seeing it in a complimentary tight end and also an insurance policy at wide receiver. If you have the value for it uh, later on in the draft uh, or if someone just spectacular falls to you in the first round, but this draft will be a perfect draft for the chiefs. If this happens, Tom.
3: Um, all right. So first round, I think the most realistic guy that would, that could fall to them would be that uh, you know, clue and Farrell Fer- from uh, Clemson. Uh, honestly, For the season, I mean, he's he's really looked at as a top ten, top five kind of guy. Has been extremely productive in Clemson, or at Clemson. Um, He just seems to be kind of lost in the shuffle right now. You know, Montez Sweat blew up the combine, and Brian Burns showed up ten pounds heavier and ran really really well. And and Cleveland Farrell just, he he did what was probably expected of him, so he didn't really do anything. But I think other guys have kind of leapfrogged him, and the Chiefs could benefit from that. Uh, He's... A uh, very polished player, in terms of you know getting the quarterback using technique, uh, <laughs> he's he's got some flexibility to him. Not the he's not Vaughn Miller. He's not gonna you know spin around a guy and you know contort his body to get to the pass to the passer. But he's gonna get you know I, I could see him being a double digit sack guy. So that'd be uh, the first one. I think in the second round you come back, you get a corner, you get somebody who's kind of in that that middle range, that kind of that second tier bucket. Maybe that's Alani Johnson. Uh, maybe it's uh, whichever one falls. You know, uh, We talked about Omani, uh, Oru- Oruware from Penn State. There's you know, an off chance he's there. Uh, maybe DeAndre Baker. There's a lot of corners this class that I think you can plug, in, plug and play. Uh, Jawan Williams, we talked about him earlier. Uh, a guy that I really like is Justin Lane, but it sounds like he's probably going to go early second, uh, late first but there's there's guys uh, in, in the cornerback class kind of all the way throughout that you could develop into a solid starter, and then I do think at that point you can kind of decide you just take the best player available uh, either at I'd like to see them take another linebacker. Uh, I'm really high on Blake Cashman uh, Grant doesn't even didn't even know who that was, so uh, sorry not about to take it. any shots at, not not to take any shots at Grant or anything but uh blake cashman's my guy um i'd like to see him i think he's he's a tone setting kind of player uh if not i think you can look at wide receivers um i'm a big fan of andy isabella i think he'd be a perfect fit uh you know one of the things that people haven't talked about uh you know in terms of players that the chiefs lost is you know d'anthony thomas isn't going to be on this team next year so you have some some need special team and gadget player and i think andy isabella fits that uh I mean, again, not the biggest need, but you talk about adding another dimension to an offense that's already really good. Um, I think you you add a guy like Andy Isabella, and you create another headache for the the defenses to worry about. So, um, yeah, I think that that second, third round pick, you just you take the best player available that's on your board. But those first two, I'd like to see uh, edge and corner get addressed.
4: All right. Do you want to hear mine? No. Oh, okay. Moving on. I know, just kidding. I'm going to talk anyway. Uh, I don't care what Thomas thinks. So, all right. My perfect scenario would be if Brett Veach was aggressive and did well at what he did last year. So last year he traded up, like, every time but once. And so I would like to see that again. This time I would like to see them trade up into the first, trade a one and two, Move up a little bit, get the guy that you want, and then once you, once it gets hits the second round, trade that third and your second to move up into the second round and get two stars. That's really what I want to see out of this draft. I want to see two defensive guys that they draft make a huge difference. Uh, like I would love to see a pairing of, let's say, uh, they trade up into the first and get a guy like either Jerry Tillery or uh, a Brian Burns if for some reason, some way he falls. Um, that would be wonderful in the first round. The second round, a, a great, like one of those really good safeties that could fall. I like a Juan Thornhill. He's a guy that I would like to see, or a, or they could even they could get that Lonnie Johnson kind of thing going. Uh, and then with, with the rest of the picks, after you get your two guys that you, you feel confident that can develop and be, plug-and-play starters right away, uh, as well as develop for the future, I think then you just draft people with the highest ceiling. After, the, after that, that, that second day, pretty much you are drafting guys that you think might have a chance, an outside shot of being great one day. Uh, you don't worry about their floors. Um, I want to see Brett Veach be aggressive in that way, and that would make the perfect draft for me.
2: all right and now it's time for a game we've gone through the highlights of the chiefs workouts and also who we think would be a perfect fit for the chiefs but now let's play a brand new game in the draft sense but this is actually a great game that grant thought of in our second episode i think with uh, free agents let's do the same thing only with draft prospects i'm gonna throw out a name and these two are gonna say if they love this guy or hate this guy and I want it to be divisive. We said at the top of the show it's going to be Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp, but we've gotten just a love fest over here. That's so let's start getting more divisive, okay? That's what drives clicks. All right, so let's start with the number one guy, my favorite guy in the draft, David Montgomery, running back at Iowa State. Tom?
3: love or hate? Uh, I'm going to go with love on David Montgomery. Uh, I think that he's a guy who is extremely productive. Again, it's hard to to love a position like running back, but, uh, he's just, you know, people hate the comparison, but at the same time, it's probably the most accurate one there is to say that he's a lot like Kareem hunt as a prospect, not saying that he's going to be that as a player. I think Kareem really made a big jump, uh, from his college to, to pros, but, um, not probably not a very athletic guy, but he's a, he's a very sturdy runner. He, um, he's going to fight for every yard. He's pretty reliable. Uh, in terms of being a, a pass protector, uh, he's a guy I think you want on your team and can be a, a good player and a, in a stable running back. So you're going to need a, a, probably somebody to, to compliment him in terms of being a, a third down speed guy. But uh, I, I like him as a prospect. I like him as a player. I think that he's a good, he's going to be a good player in the NFL. I think he'll, he'll have a couple of thousand yard seasons. Uh, and I, I think that he'll be successful.
4: Yeah. Uh, I hate that we agree already. Um, but, yeah, David Montgomery, I wrote an article about him uh, as one of my first guys that I actually started taking a look at. He's got such good balance. Uh, when he gets hit, he bounces off, keeps his footing, and uh, just keeps trucking ahead. And he's got deceptive quickness. Uh, I, I, I remember distinctly uh, a player coming at him, and it looked like he was surrounded, and he just cut back and left two two ta- potential tacklers. Now, I, I get that it's the Big 12 and nobody can tackle, but... That was still impressive for a guy of his size. Uh, He's got deceptive uh, skills in that regard. Uh, If there was a running back that I wanted to take um, in the first, you know, four rounds, Montgomery would definitely be one of those guys. Um, But I'm still on team don't take running backs, but I wouldn't hate it. That's all I'm going to say.
2: And now the number two guy, Jerry Tillery. Right. Grant, the defensive <laughs> lineman at Notre Dame. Do you love him? Uh, yeah,
4: Jerry Tillery do you is hate my guy. I mean, I've been like, if there is a my guy in this draft, I have been yelling for Jerry Tillery since the beginning of the draft process, uh, and come to find out, he's been he's been playing injured. He had a torn labrum uh, his this last year, and his production was even good with that torn labrum. Uh, he's so like the reason I like him so much is because he's quick, and when you have quick. Interior defensive lineman. Uh, that's where you get all your great your great players. Uh, I mean, Chris Jones is a quick guy. Aaron Donald's a quick guy. Uh, those th- with that kind of athleticism in the middle of a defense, a pairing of hi- Chris Jones and Jerry Tillery would be among the scariest combos uh, in the NFL. Uh, Tillery is a guy that I think could produce big numbers in sacks. Uh, the uh, one reason that you might not want to take him. Uh, if you're the Chiefs, is because uh, you you might be rotating guys in and out, and you would might you might want to get a guy that that has uh, more production right off the bat. Um, but if we're talking about guys that I love in this draft, Jerry Tillery is probably my third guy on among defensive tackles, um, and I, I I can't imagine he'll be there at 29. Uh, I think that he'll be gone
3: way earlier than anybody's expecting. Yeah, so uh, I'm actually going to surprise Grant and uh, some other people who who have heard me talk about Tillery before, uh, and I'm just going to go on record and say that uh, I've decided that I absolutely love to hate hate Tillery. Uh, I can't stand him. Uh, I initially had a, uh, a mid second round grade on him and the grant wouldn't shut up about him. So I moved him down to uh, late third. Uh, <laughs> wow. uh so he- here's the thing with Tillery. Uh, there- there's a combination of issues of issues that I have. One, uh, he plays the exact same spot that Chris Jones does. So if you're drafting him, you're drafting him not to play next to Chris Jones, except for in a handful of sub packages, you're drafting him to play behind Chris Jones uh, he he is quick. He is he does excel at you know getting pressure on the quarterback. That said, he's very reliant on his uh, his rip under move. I, I watched. I went back this week and watched the tape. Uh, he he rarely wins with power, and that's not a good sign uh, in the NFL. I mean, you have to have. And Brett Veach has said this, so uh, hopefully he's him are of like mind here. Uh, I don't see the power that you want there from uh, a defensive tackle, especially not in a four um, three. And, again, if you're going to talk about a guy to pair with Chris Jones, Tillery's not that guy. He's a guy who, uh, at his best, has a similar skill set to Chris Jones. I, I don't think that's a good comparison. I think that there's some other issues with Tillery. Um, you know, if you if you go to YouTube, type in uh, Jerry Tillery versus USC, you'll watch him kick an injured player in the head. So that's a big flag for me. Um, not, not a fan of that. I mean, the guys lay on the ground, and Tillery just kind of, you know, gives him a little kick to the head. Uh, I don't think that's the kind of stuff that I want in my locker room. I get there's, you know, there's a lot of emotions in a game and a lot of emotions in, in, comp- in being competitive. But, uh, you know, that to me uh, gave me my favorite, um, kind of my pro- my comparison. I'm not a big fan of comparisons, but but here it is. Uh, Jerry Tillery is a discount Albert Hainsworth at best, <sighs> which means you're going to get a guy... <laughs> You're going to get a guy who might make some splashy pay- plays when he's motivated, uh, but he's going to take a lot of plays off. He's going to be very inconsistent. You're going to have to worry about him stomping on people's heads, and at the end of the day, he'll probably get his first paycheck from the Washington Redskins and then lay on the ground while other players you know, run him over. So um, I am not on the Tillery hype machine. I know that that makes me in the minority here. Uh, I know he's got. He's kind of a hot prospect right now, but but don't buy into it. Uh, You know, there's some red flags there. Could he be a good player? Absolutely. I could be wrong. You know, maybe a year from now we'll be making fun of everything I just said. But I, he's not a guy I would want in my locker room. I don't think that he fits well with the Chiefs, just because again he's playing the same spot that the same role that Chris Jones would play. So unless the Chiefs are, are planning on moving on from Chris Jones. Uh, which would make me hate the, the Tillery pick even more. Uh, I don't think that he's a guy that they should they should waste a first-round pick on.
4: Okay, I want a rebuttal. I want a rebuttal. <laughs> I want a rebuttal. Okay, so one Go thing ahead. about – I wouldn't question his effort. That is one thing that you, you said that you were worried he would take plays off. The guy had a torn labrum, and he was still playing. I don't see that happening. Um, but you might be right. I just don't see that when, when you play through an injury like that, uh, it typically means that you love the sport that you're playing. Um, and the other thing is, is that it's a passing league. Um, and so I don't think that the drafting of Tillery automatically replaces Chris Jones. I actually think it's just a pass rush package. It would be like, uh, they would sub him in, uh, on every play that's not first down. Uh, so Naughty would take the first, first downs and, uh, Tillery would take everything else uh, because we are in such a heavy passing league unless you're Seattle or Baltimore um, where you can expect short passes to be almost a substitute for run plays. So run defense doesn't really scare me all that much. Uh, the pairing of Tillery and Chris Jones would be an incredible uh, pass rushing duo. Um, so we we can agree to disagree on this. I just, um,
3: that that's my little rebuttal right there. Okay, I'm going to counter and then we'll move on <laughs> just because I want to point this out. So you have to consider how bad the Chiefs defense is. So if you're only playing him on second and third down, uh, let's factor in how many yards are being given up on first down. So are you going to bring him in when it's a second and one, a third and one? I don't – that's going to be playing to his strengths. I think that that's a, a situation where you're going to want a guy like Derek Noddy or Xavier Williams in there to be the run stuffer. Um I, I agree with you. I think he can rush to the pasture, passer, but I, again, I think that the biggest issue overall is that I think that it's just not the biggest, uh, the best fit and the biggest need for, for Kansas City. Um, now, I trust Brett Feach, but at the end of the day, not my guy, so I'm sticking with my hatred here. Uh, not, not a fan of, of Jerry Tillery.
2: Well, Dan Snyder's already on the phone with him, so it doesn't make much sense for the Chiefs to draft him. Now let's shift over to a guy we talked about uh, earlier, Jalen Ferguson. The Chiefs brought him in for a workout, the edge rusher from Louisiana Tech. Tom, what do you think about Jalen? Um,
3: man, <laughs> you're going you're gonna to make me sound. I hope that neither of these guys ever listen to this podcast. They will find me and hurt me. Um, I, I, Jalen Ferguson, to me, would be a great pick. In the sixth round, uh, I, I, I I'm on the hate train now. I'll say this: there are a lot of people.
2: all right. We yeah. can move on.
3: So, um, there are a lot of people who are caught up on um, different issues in terms of the like the the testing that he put out. But there's different field conditions and stuff, and and some people have you know said that it's not it, it wasn't honest to who he is as a player. So I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. But, yeah, not, not a fan of Jalen Ferguson and his tape. Even though he had a lot of sacks, I just I don't see it. I don't see him as a productive NFL player. Well, I'm
4: glad you followed the Jerry Tillery debate up with something that we can agree on. Uh, because, gosh, I mean, I don't know how you watch Jalen Ferguson's tape and want him on your team. The guy is, he's slow. He doesn't have any bend. The only thing that you're hoping is that he just overpowers blockers. He doesn't hand fight well. He doesn't do anything special. Uh, I I wouldn't be opposed to them taking him as like a, a mid round guy, like a fourth or fifth round pick, because he's a guy that can. He's strong. I mean, obviously, there's something there if he's if he's sacking the quarterback that often, but other than that, like I mean, like like I said, he's just he's not athletic. He doesn't have any bend, which is something that's essential to being an edge player in the NFL. He's got none of it. So, yeah, Jalen Ferguson is is not even not even in my top fifteen edge players. So, uh, I would I would I would be in favor of uh, of burning uh, having a burning torch and some pitchforks to rally outside of um, Brett Veach's office if that's the first round pick.
3: Yeah, I, if, if, if Jalen Ferguson is the, the pick at 29, I'm going to cancel this podcast. <laughs> I don't have the power to do it, but I'll make it happen. <laughs> I, I'll be so disappointed. I'll shut the whole site down.
2: Moving on, love, hate, or eh, Noah Font, tight end Iowa.
4: Uh, I like Noah Font. Again, I'm not sold on dra- drafting a guy that doesn't compliment Travis Kelsey. Uh, He's not an excellent blocker. He's a serviceable blocker. I've not seen any, like, bad blocking. He's definitely better than Jay Sternberger in that regard. Uh, He's also more athletic than Sternberger. That is the biggest thing, is that if they draft a Noah Fant, it's like, good Lord, that guy moves so well. He's like an oversized wide receiver. I think I wrote that in my scouting report several times. Like, he runs so well. His cuts are very smooth. Uh, he drops some easy balls, but, like, I, I would take that over the uh, – like I, I mean, like, he's, like, a really good Demetrius Harris. Like, he'll drop some easy ones uh, and catch some big ones, except he's actually a good football player. So, uh, yeah, Noah Fant would be great. Again, I wouldn't want to take a guy like that in the first round, per se. He'll go in that first round. So he's probably not going to be a Kansas City Chief. Uh, but if, they, if he's there in, on day two and you feel like you can trade up and get a guy like that, I'm totally fine with it because he is just he's an electric player and he's a game changer.
3: Yeah, I'm probably more love with uh, Fant than I am hate. Uh I, I do think that he's very talented. Uh, it, it's one of the, he's one of the guys that I, I put in a basket of uh, kind of late in the pro- process. He, he kind of just falls off people's radar. I think he's not like, – he got overhyped and then he's cooling off, uh, and it hasn't really... Like, people have kind of forgotten how good of a player he was when he was playing. Uh, I know TJ Hopkinson is a really good player, and uh, people are hyping him up, but uh, I think Fant is, is... He's a good player, and I think that he's a guy that, uh, you know, you talk about a jumbo wide receiver, or kind of like the Travis Kelsey, who you move him around in the slot. Uh, he, can, he can do those things for you. I think you could probably... Uh, At least put him in the way of a pass rusher, or you know, a linebacker, and he can he can provide you, uh, if nothing else, just some mass to get in the way. Not a very good blocker. I wouldn't hate the pick just because the athletic upside is there. The other thing to consider is as we move down the road, and we're going to, you know, we have Chris Jones to resign. We have some other players. Um, You know, Patrick Mahomes' contract is coming up. Uh, Travis Kelsey, as much as I love him, is at a place where. You know, he's, he's getting up there in age, so if you take Fant in the first round and maybe in a year or two it allows you to move on from Kelsey and, and his bigger contract to, to sign some younger guys, uh, I think that's uh, – I mean, I consider it a very low probability there, but if nobody else is left on the board that, you know, helps the defense out and the Chiefs can't get out of that spot, then I think it's possible. Uh, I don't think it would hurt the team. Uh, I think it would be a good addition. But, yeah, I, I like Fant as a prospect.
2: Debo Samuel, wide receiver, South Carolina. Tom, love or oh, hate Debo Samuel? Um,
3: all right, here it is. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose a lot of fans here. Uh, I I hate Debo Samuel. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's there's a lot of love for this guy. Um, I think he is very rigid and stiff in his route running. Uh, he's a very physical player, which is great, but he has some injury issues. Um he just—he's very, kind of up and down for me. Um, there are some plays he makes where I go, man, this guy could be, you know, wide receiver one. And then you see some of his route running. You see some of his—he's uh, he, oddly inconsistent at the line of scrimmage. Guys get inside his body and jam him at times. Um, there's just little things that that frustrate me about his game. So I've got a third round grade on him. Um, I'm not, I i do not think he's a great fit for the Chiefs offense. I think he's uh, he probably would offer something very similar to what Chris Conley offered. I'm not sure he's going to be able to separate at the next le- level. Uh, I don't think he has enough burst off the line of scrimmage to beat press man. Um, but like if you get the ball in his hands, he'll run through some people and he'll you know he finds the end zone really well. But again, that physical play. Has a price, and he has an injury history, so um, I'd, I'd pass on him as a prospect. I think there are other guys who who could do uh, who could do more in the system that, that Kansas City has.
4: Okay, so I am not on the love or the hate train. I am a like Debo Samuel guy. I like his. I I, I disagree with with Thomas on a couple things. Uh, I think that he is twitchy, maybe not exactly right off the line but uh when he when he breaks i feel like he creates very good separation he's not overly fast uh but what i what what i like the most about him and i think nfl teams are going to like the most about him is his ability to uh run with the ball in his hands he is a player that that i would say he has some of the best vision of any receiver in the draft I, i don't know how much that matters if if you're trying to push the ball down the field but in short yard uh, short yard stuff. I feel like that's essential. Um, I, I like him. I don't love him. He's. I've got a second-round grade on him, but I feel like he's going to be one of those guys that goes early. I, in fact, in my latest mock, I had him going 32 to the Patriots because they're going to be looking for a guy uh, that can do that with the ball in his hands because they're short, quick passes. Um, they want to get the ball into the hands of a guy that can um, – that can make moves, make people miss, uh, see the field well. Uh, so I like that fit. Uh, but like I said, don't love him, don't hate him. He's fine.
2: Greedy Williams, cornerback, Louisiana State University. Grant, what I, you got? I, was, I,
4: I wanted to talk about this one because I, I saw a lot of hate for Greedy Williams on Twitter, and uh, I guess it's a lot of it comes from people thinking he – uh, he gives up on plays and yada, 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 which is fine. I understand uh, why you would be skeptical of having a guy like that on your team. That being said, he's the second best corner in the draft. Uh, I saw people saying, well, I wouldn't even take him there if he, if he was at 29, and I thought that was kind of crazy. Uh, he's a he, he's very good in man coverage. Um, if he's at 29, I, I can't imagine a way that the Chiefs would just be like, nah, never mind, fam, we don't need him. Uh, because he's he's so good in man he's he's athletic. Uh, there might be questions of his effort, um, but I think Andy Reid has proven that he can get the best out of guys. Uh, so I, I I I like Greedy Williams. Again, he's not a guy that I love because I can't I, I don't I don't like guys that I you have to question their effort, um, but. I I like Greedy Williams and I think that he's the best. He's the second best corner in this draft, and so the Chiefs would be crazy to pass him up if
3: he's there. Yeah, uh, I'm very much with Grant. I love Greedy Williams. I think it's one of the things that again I talked about this. You know, you have guys who start off the season are, are white hot names and are very you know they get a lot of hype, and then people are watching and they start nitpicking, and then it hurts their their draft status. And uh, I think Greedy is very much one of those guys. Uh, You know, some people like to make the Marcus Peters comparison. I don't think that that's fair. Um, I think Greedy Williams, for starters, is uh, way more athletic than Marcus Peters ever was, (laughs) Uh, especially as a a prospect. And and I was, uh, you know, I was high on Peters coming out. But um, I think one of the interesting things I've I've heard brought up, you know, in terms of taking Greedy uh, for the Chiefs is you've to remember you have Tyron Matthew now, um, you know, Matthew's a, a legend at LSU and I think that if there's a if there's a guy in the NFL who, who could get in a, a young player's ear like Greedy Williams and teach him how to be a pro pro and to teach him to not make those business decisions and and to be more consistent I think it's a guy like Tyrone Matthew. I think that that could be a really good relationship there. It could be a one of those uh, elite secondary pairings I would get really excited about it. So um I I would love Greedy Williams at twenty nine. Honestly, I'm you know again he's uh, <laughs> he's he's in my top three for corners. I kind of I, I jumble them around a lot, but he's he's up there. And I mean at the beginning of the year we were talking about him as a generational like Patrick Peterson level player, and then now you know people are, are so down on him. And I just think that that's a process of you know you can over scout guys, you can over analyze them. Uh, these are twenty something year old kids who who are playing college ball for free and they are thinking about their future and they may not have all the, the maturity and, and priorities. Right. So, um, uh, some of that is projection. I think Greedy's going to be a really good, uh, I'd even say he's got all pro upside. So, uh, getting a player like that at 29, uh, I'd run that card right up to the stage and, and go to sleep happy that night.
4: Yeah. And I'm going to say real quick for a caveat here. Uh, sometime we're going to have Travis Steffen on the show. Uh, and he's a guy that doesn't like Greedy Williams, so he'll get to make his case. So stay tuned for that uh, so you don't have to just listen to Thomas, and I agree on that. Uh, so, yeah, moving on.
2: The safety from Washington. Taylor Rapp, I believe is his last name. Uh, Tom Leverhate.
3: Um, man, uh, I'll go a strongly dislike. Uh, I... There's I don't have any complaints about his game, uh Taylor Rapp. He's he's very solid all the way around. Uh but he's not exceptional at anything. So like I've got a, a late round two rate on him. I think he is um he's very much a guy you could you could have him come in and, and play and, and be okay. Uh, I think he would benefit greatly from being a third safety in a rotation. Um, very smart player, very cerebral. Um not a bad athlete. He's pretty, but he's pretty average in terms of what you're looking for at the position. So, um, again, it's more of a dislike. I think there's people who, you know, have him as a first rounder and I think that's, that's a little too strong for me. So, um, if he's there in the late second and the chiefs decide to add him, I'd be fine with it. But if you're talking about, you know, at pick 29, uh, I, I would hate that pick just because I think that he is, uh, just very average all the way around. I, I mean, I don't want to compare him to Dan Sorensen cuz that that puts a, a bad taste in people's mouths but that's kind of where I, I, my line of thinking is I think that he's you know a few ticks above Sorensen in terms of ability uh that's where his uh he's obviously got more ceiling as a younger player but uh I don't there's nothing that like makes me excited about him but he's a, he could he could be a starter um I think again you for him to be your third starter not your everyday or every down starter but um yeah very lukewarm on him.
4: So, uh, what I'm going to say about Taylor Rapp is I'm, I'm actually pretty high on Taylor Rapp. Uh, he's a guy that I really like as an all around guy. He reminds, he, I, I can't make a really good comparison. Uh, but you're, you're absolutely right when you say he doesn't do anything great. Um, but that being said, they like versatility in Kansas city. If that's not obvious with the honey badger signing, um, I think that if they're going for versatility, Rap fits that. He's a, primarily a box safety, but I like the way he flies around the field. He's a, he's an effort guy, which is always good for a defense. Uh, I think that if they if they were to take a guy like uh Rap, it would be to eventually uh, take over that that strong safety they might move um, Honey Badger back to the free safety, but I think that he's pretty versatile, and so that that would be good for Uh, Kansas City Uh, that being said I wouldn't take him with the first round pick Um, although I do have a late first round grade on him uh, he just doesn't fit the Chiefs system as well as I may like so that's what I got
3: real quick just a little off topic so what do you think about it's like because I'm not huge on player comparisons but the guy that, that just came to mind like best case scenario for Taylor Rapp would be a guy like Eric Weddle again somebody who can do it all but isn't an exceptional athlete yeah what do you think about that
4: yeah, I, yeah. I, I agree. I would say that that rap might be. I don't know if he's quite Weddle because I don't think he has the same range that Weddle has. Um, mm-hmm. But he's definitely got similar traits in like physicality and uh, yeah. and energy. So I like yeah, that. I like that. So that's best case scenario. Yeah, best case scenario. Yeah, I would say I would say that's a fair fair comp.
2: All right, let's quickly finish with two more guys and then we'll get out of here. Uh, First, let's let's go with uh, Montez Sweat, the edge rusher from Mississippi State. Grant, do you love or hate this prospect? Uh,
4: Montez Sweat, I think that he's going to go way too high. Uh, I don't love him. I don't hate him. I dislike where he's at as far as where he's rated among NFL people and mock draft people because he – to me, I just don't see that it factor on tape. I mean, he's super athletic. If that's not, if that wasn't proven at the combine, uh, he he ran like a four four forty, and for a guy of his size, that's incredible. Um, but he doesn't have bend, which is kind of weird for a guy that's that that athletic. You'd think that he could implement that into his game pretty well with a with his his plant, and um, I just don't see it. I think he's, I have a second round grade on him. Um, but he's going to go, he's going to go high. I would say, I would be surprised if he was still on the board after pick 10. Um, but I, yeah, I just, he's got good length. Uh, so that's a positive. I just, I don't like the way that he uses his athleticism because it seems like he relies on it too much and doesn't have much technique, but that can be developed. I'm just mixed on Montez sweat and, um, I, I wouldn't take him if I was Kansas City, per se, because I don't think he gives enough immediate impact, and I don't think the upside is as high as other
3: edge players. All right, so I've been on a journey with Montez Sweat and my evaluation of him, so let me walk you through this because uh, I'll be honest, I, I hated Sweat. Uh, I still personally don't get super excited about him most days. Uh, but I, as I was going through his evaluation and I was you know, taking my notes and, and I agree with Grant, like he's not very flexible. That's always been his biggest knock is he just can't bend around the corner. But, you know, he, he does have good balance and he's really strong at the point of attack. And as I'm writing the, the report on him, you know, kind of taking notes, uh, I'm reading it and I'm going, this sounds exactly like what Brett Veach like was crazy about when he drafted Breland Speaks last year. And I had a moment where I went, oh, no. Brett Veach loves Montez Sweat, uh, and so like that's my that's my called a conspiracy theory. Uh, I think that he's the kind of guy that Brett Veach and uh, probably by extension Steve Spagnuolo are gonna like. So um, I, I've gone back and I've watched a lot more tape on Sweat, and I don't think that um, I mean the reality is he, he's. He's been a dominant pass rusher in the SEC, and so you can talk about his his flaws and his you know weird hips and how he can't bend around the corner. Uh, the reality is, is, he does get to the quarterback. Um, he does have a, a really high motor. He does have you know powerful hands. All that stuff. He's a productive player. So uh, I'll be as bold to say that if if Montez Sweat gets past uh, pick ten. I think Brett Veach is going to be on the phone trying to trade up for him. That's my that's my bold p- prediction. So I'm not a big fan, but if, I feel like if Brett Veach was here, he would be pounding the table for Montez Sweat. That's my that's my gut feeling.
4: Yeah, I could definitely see that. In fact, I I uh, changed a mock draft. I was gonna I was writing one up for Arrowhead Addict, and I I thought, oh man, Montez Sweat is definitely a Brett Veach guy, isn't he? And so I actually mm-hmm. had that I actually had that moment where I was like, Should I have them trade clear up for Montez Sweat? And then I was like, nah, he's going top ten. So, um, yeah, I could definitely see it. I think that that's mm-hmm. that that's something that could definitely happen. But I am Montez Sweat is not a my guy per se. So
3: and, yeah. And I wouldn't hate it and I would trust, you know, Brett Veach's evaluation, especially for a player who has been so productive, but um, yeah, I. That's what like I guess that moment it hit me. You know, like a ton of breaks. I went, man, this is the kind of guy that, like, Brett Veach is going to love. So I'd keep an eye on him if, if you're a fan. Of, if you're a fan of the Chiefs, which if you're not and you're listening to this podcast, I'm not sure what you're doing, but we appreciate that you're here.
2: Especially at the hour twenty minute mark, the last prospect to go on the board uh, for us in this game of love or hate is Charles. the defensive lineman from Texas. I'm sure I didn't say his last name right, but Grant, do you love or hate him? Uh, I'm going to
4: say, I mean, I want to say that I hate him just because that's like one of Thomas's my guys. But the truth of the matter is I don't hate him. Uh, He's a guy that I could see the Chiefs taking very easily. In fact, I think that we missed that he actually was – the Chiefs had been chatting with him. I don't think he had been on an official visit, but the Chiefs have sh- expressed interest in O'Menahue. and I don't hate him. I don't love him. He's just kind of a guy who plays solid ball. I just don't think his, his ceiling is super high, uh, but he he fits the description of what the, uh, the Chiefs are looking for anymore, which is long and strong. Uh, that's pretty much been the message of this offseason is that that's what they want to do up front with the defensive line uh charles and is a guy that he has some strength he has he has a little bit of bend he's got a little bit of quickness i just i don't see him as a dominant player Um, but that being said that's almost he's fits to the t almost what the chiefs are looking for in their defensive linemen and I wouldn't be at all surprised to see them move up in the second round if he's still on the board at you know like pick 35, 38. If he's still there, I could see the Chiefs uh, moving up to get a guy like that.
3: Yeah. So uh, Charles Minnehue is pretty much uh, my Jerry Tillery. So uh, you know, for you know Grant's love of Tillery, I've got I do have some love for a Not I, I. I don't disagree with with Grant's evaluation of him as a player. But I think that his value there, uh, at twenty nine, I think he's kind of the last of what I would call that tier one pass rushers. He's like the very bottom of that list. Um, he had a very productive, you know, 2018, nine and a half sacks. Uh, he's not, he, he's not the most like athletic guy, but he does. He's usually one of the first lines off the, one of the first guys off the line of scrimmage. Uh, what I love about him most is that he uses a variety of different pass rushing moves. So he's got, he's very technical and he's got a uh, very, you know, he's got a lot of tools in the tool, tool bag to work with. And I've listened to different interviews with him and, you know, he talks about his kind of his plan of attack. And uh, what I love to hear is, you know, cause players are, they're asked, you know, what's your favorite move? And he says, you know, my favorite move to use on a offensive tackle usually changes week to week based on the film that I've watched that week. So he's a very cerebral, cerebral player um, you know, I think he's a, a high, a high football character guy. Um, you know, he's six five, two eighty. So on those third downs and obvious pass situations, you can to him in right next to Chris Jones, and you can bring in some additional pass rushers. I think he's comfortable there, and he's going to provide you with a push. Um, you know, my initial watching him on tape remind me of a guy that uh, Steve Spagnuolo was very familiar with in a uh, you know, long time. Uh, New York Giant, and then he was an Oakland Raider. I, I, he reminds me a lot of Justin Tuck in terms of being a bigger guy who's who's not going to be your primary pass rusher, but can be a complimentary guy who's going to get 10, 12 sacks a season and has that versatility to kick inside on pass rushing down. So uh, I'm a big fan of him, in here.
2: All right, we thank everyone for listening to the Big draft special here on the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. We'll have another one for you in a couple weeks, uh, the week leading into the actual NFL draft. Uh, We'll have another Arrowhead Addict correspondent on to talk about uh, the draft from his perspective. Uh, Grant, Tom, I appreciate each one of you and your insights from the draft. Not as many fireworks as I thought they were going to be, but a good show nonetheless. Uh, Do you fellas have any last words?
4: Uh, Yeah, I would just say to check out Arrowhead Addict. Uh, a lot of great writers there. Uh, there's good draft content there. There's good player evaluations, um, rumors, that kind of stuff. Matt Connor's excellent at what he does. Um, and so I, I check that stuff out. Uh, stay tuned for the uh, podcasts that we're planning in the future. I, I have this dream where I want to have a bunch of people on for a mock draft special. I, I understand that that might get a little bit crazy.
2: Says the guy who doesn't edit these podcasts, but it's <laughs> it fun. might be a little crazy. But I think
4: it would be a lot of fun. So stay tuned. We will have some more draft content and Chiefs
3: content coming your way in the next couple weeks. Yeah, thanks for listening. And uh, don't forget to order your uh, 2019 NFL draft hats. Those things look beautiful. Don't do that. <laughs>
2: It's been a fun show today. Again, uh, like we said at the top of the show, you can get the show on Spotify soon, hopefully by the end of the week. We, we know a lot of you reached out uh, last week to Grant and I saying that, you know, that's the way you guys consume podcasts and you really want the podcast there. It's getting there again, hopefully by the end of this week. As Grant said, please go read everything on ArrowheadAddict.com. There's a ton of quality stuff up there. As always, tune in to our podcast again next week. Subscribe, like, review follow us all on twitter at arrowhead tom for tom at grant tm tuttle for grant tuttle and at rylan underscore styles for myself also at arrowhead addict for the website and at addict underscore pod for our personal podcast twitter that'll all be in the descriptions below that you see but for Tom, for Grant, I'm Roland Stiles. Be good and be good to one another. This has been the Arrowhead Attic Podcast on the arrowheadaddict.com website and a part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network.
1: Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then